You're listening to episode 189 of the Master Your Mind, Business, and Life podcast. I love when I get connected to like-minded, world-shifting women like today's guest. Emily Tuttle is a photographer, mom, wife, mindfulness advocate, and founder of Pause and Purpose. Emily and I were connected through the frequent podcast guest, my friend and mentor, Sheryl Turner. Emily is one of these people who I could just talk to all day. What I really admire about Emily is not only the fact that she started a business during a pandemic, but that she saw a need for a community and she courageously decided to build that community. This episode is brought to you by Spiritually Seeking. When you go to spiritually-seeking.com and enter the promo code podcast at checkout, you can save 20% off your order of numerology reports, affirmation cards, card readings, and spiritual life guidance. Just head over to spiritually-seeking.com and use the promo code podcast. While you're listening today, I would love for you to share what resonates with you. You can screenshot that you're listening, share it on Instagram, tag me in it, at MindBizLife, or you can drop me a message on social media. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at MindBizLife. Don't forget to share this episode with a friend. Thanks to all of you and all of the many times that you've shared. You've helped us get this little old podcast into 153 countries and counting. How amazing is that? Speaking of amazing, are you ready to meet Emily? You know what to do. Tune in, turn it up, let's go. You're listening to Master Your Mind, Business and Life. Conversations with everyday world shifters, truth seekers, and rule breakers. Here's your host, Lauren Smith. Hey, Emily. Welcome to the show. I've been looking forward to our conversation. Hi, Lauren. Me too. Thanks for having me today. We were connected through the ever so amazing Shereel Turner, who also writes for Pause and Purpose. So before I get to all of my many questions, let's start with the simple one. Tell us what Pause and Purpose is. Pause and Purpose is the only mindfulness program that can be done anywhere that can be done completely offline with your friends, your family, your coworkers, um, with your school, your clients, so anyone that you'd like. And it's the only one that doesn't include any apps. So we are a new company. We started in Wilton, Connecticut, just at the beginning of the pandemic. And um, my story and background is that I'm a photographer and I'm a new mom. And I've been getting into mindfulness the past couple of years. And the problem that I was finding was that there wasn't anything where I felt like I was a part of a community where I was building social bonds and troubleshooting and having people to turn to while I was going through my mindfulness journey. And um, I know like a lot of people who are empathic and creatives, I literally get dizzy when I spend too much time on the computer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you probably feel the same way. Um, it's, it's like, it's not a very comforting place for me to find a community and there are just so many options out there. So, um, when I was struggling with postpartum anxiety, um, in the beginning of last year, my thought was to find a local group that I could go to for support and learn about different, uh, topics within the mindfulness world that I was curious about. And I didn't want to do it online. So I started looking at local yoga studios to see if there was anything that I could 
really feel affiliated with, that I could really feel a part of. And I couldn't find anything that, that wasn't, um, you know, super formal, like going to a Buddhist temple, um, or super isolating, like sitting in a room and meditating, uh, quietly. Right. So I asked some friends who I know who are, are into mindfulness as well at varying levels to come to my home that summer for a 12 week program that, uh, would be developed by someone I had shot, um, through my photography job, who was a yoga teacher. And she created a a 12 week program. And every week we did some yoga, we meditated together on a topic. And we discussed that topic at the end. Um, And we also incorporated some journal entries and some homework assignments and some readings. So we were fully um, encasing ourselves in this, this topic from week to week. And it was topics it it was topics that I really needed to learn about that, um, you know, I, I feel like mindfulness on your own can go so far. It's like, but how do I apply it? Right. How how do I apply it in this example? How do I apply it in this example when, um, I feel so wrapped up in my emotions that I can't even see beyond them. So those girls in my group became a sounding board to, you know, like, talking about how guilty I had felt that my body was failing me. I wasn't, I wasn't bouncing back from my pregnancy as fast as other women that I'd seen. You know, that was, that was a real like shame area for me. Um, And I just couldn't get out of that, that thought pattern of why can't I get back to the gym? Like, why am I tired after 10 minutes of walking? Why does my back hurt so much just using the computer? Like, I'm only 31. What's the problem here? Right. Um, but the other women in my group, they all had, you know, n- none of them actually had kids, um, but they all had different issues to share with me. Like one of them told me when I wake up in the morning, sometimes I don't know if I'm going to be able to walk or not because my back hurts so much. It's like the stuff we don't really share online with each other or right. yeah. <laughs> in casual conversation. Yeah, those hidden struggles that almost like it it it's not that it's not worth complaining about, right? But you just keep it to yourself because Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not like a big highlight, you know, I'm not going to highlight my pain points here all day. Exactly. Um yeah, and when you get together with friends often it's you're trying so hard to lift each other up and be a good listener and um share the good things that are going on in your life that it feels like there's not always time, especially when you have kids to delve deeper into stuff you really want to work on. Mm. So that's really why I started this because I was craving it so much in my life. Um, And actually since starting this and since starting groups and being a part of them, I feel as if I need it less and less. It's not weekly anymore that I take part in it, um, but I carry those lessons with me. Oh, I love that. And I love that, first of all, it was important for you to disconnect and learn offline because so often we are pushed online. And for people like you and I who, you know, work behind a computer all day, I don't really find comfort in, you know, going online to have this big supportive community. Not saying that, you know, I don't like my community or don't engage with people online, but there is just something really special that we can't take away from that face-to-face interaction, that human connection. And I know, especially in times like 
COVID. Now, people are missing face-to-face connection more than ever. I think we almost got this wake-up call of, yes, we were almost robots behind our phones. Mm-hmm. And like when you're forced into lockdown and you're forced not to see people, it really helps you just have a different perception of how you were functioning and what what you took for granted a lot. How was it starting Pause and Purpose kind of during this pandemic? And how did that, what did you learn from it? Yeah, so I really looked at it as an opportunity. Um, and I kind of felt like it was even more pressing to start it now because mm-hmm. um, this was an opportunity to be creative and figure out how could people meet live and get that same kind of support that I got during the summer. So when I started it, I reached out to a woman, uh, Barbara Franzino, who I've worked with um, through my physical therapy and who does basically meditations while she's massaging you. So it's pretty magical. Yeah. She's a a certified um, myofascial worker and yoga uh, person. So she has all these different tools in her pocket. Um, So I reached out to her and she agreed to write a free mindfulness guide for six weeks that um, I directed people on how to use on Zoom or house party or FaceTime. So that's what we did. We either did um, Zoom or house party or we did in person outside six feet away. Oh, that's, that's really innovative. And I like how you use your creativity to think outside of the box because it would have been so easy for you to have been like, oh, this was intended to be face-to-face and mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. now we can't do it and I'm just going to have to quit. That would have been very easy. <laughs> Too easy, right? <laughs> yeah. But this is all about like the whole company is built around the magic of social relationships, how it really is kind of the most magical thing that we have in our pocket when it comes to learning mindfulness. Mm. And I think it's possible no matter what. At its core, what do you really believe mindfulness is? Like, what does it mean to be mindful? Uh, For, you know, there's the definitions, but for me, going through my day and having that gift of awareness, um, when I get stressed or when I feel really happy where I can stop for a second before I speak, before I act, um, before I even speak to myself in my head. I can take a breath, um, think about where I'm feeling emotions in my body and, you know, really uh, internalize things that are beautiful and meaningful and joyful and go easy on myself. Um, when things hit me and feel traumatic. Mm. That's a huge one. I feel like, especially as a parent, because exactly things can hit you from out of the blue. And sometimes it's, you know, you're already having a day and then it's just that one thought of like, oh, now I have to make dinner and be a mom. And and, the whole day builds up on you. And it's not so much that the kids are making it harder. It's just, you have another body to take care of now. You're another body that you're responsible for. And that is huge all in itself. And it can be really hard to give yourself grace in those, in those tough moments as well. Yeah. Did you struggle with that as well in the beginning? Uh, yeah, I'm I think I'm still struggling with it. And actually I think it was was surreal who actually really helped me learn how to give myself more grace. Um, Mm. because I would say these things to her of like, 
just the guilt of silly things. So much guilt. <laughs> so much guilt for the silliest things. And I, I didn't realize how much I was calling myself a bad mom for things mm-hmm. that really have no weight to them. Like, mm-hmm. oh, oh my gosh, I forgot to sign the permission slip. I'm such a bad mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really? That doesn't, does that make you a bad <laughs> mom? No, but like, I didn't even, I wasn't mindful to how those yeah. statements were really impacting my life. But not only that, it was really counterbalancing of how I saw myself and how I truly projected myself as a mom. Mm. Yeah, that brings up a really good point. And something that I struggle with too is uh, in mindfulness, it allows us to kind of zoom out and see, okay, that permission slip maybe didn't get in, but look how much I care. Like, look what a great mom I am for, for even caring about this permission slip. It's like, it's looking at the big picture. I think um, that's how my husband describes mindfulness. I always think that's really smart. I I love that take of it because I hadn't thought of it that way either. You know, because a lot mm-hmm. of parents would be like, "Well, do it again tomorrow." But it is like those little things sometimes weigh at me the most. And it was like I'm letting my kid down. It was also that I was letting myself down. Right? Like I wasn't the perfect mom. Like yeah. Oh gosh. And perfectionism is something that relates to that. Yes. That whole other level. So how do you navigate that with mindfulness and dropping the perfection? That's a really good question because just recently, I think this is something that I've been like, Oh, you're getting good at this, Emily. Um, recently I've been just looking at things more big picture. Um, you know, I've been taking my nutrition more seriously this year and anyone who, practices mindfulness, um, we'll see that other things in your life often, uh, take on a new, um, aptitude. Mm. So this year, um, with nutrition, I've zoomed out and I've said, okay, I have this goal to feel healthy and well, and to have a lot of energy and I am going to find happiness in food and I'm going to, um, love the journey. And every day I'm going to try to do this, but on days when, um, you know, things get hectic and I'm basically working on autopilot some days all, you know, down a whole bag of M&Ms, which is not part of my ideal diet. Let me tell you, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, sugar actually just adds to the problem for me. It makes me even more manic. Um, so that happens some days and to just look at that and be like, okay, this happened today. And I noticed that this happened and that's okay because my long-term goal is not being sacrificed because tomorrow I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do better. Hmm. Um, yeah, it just goes back to looking at that big picture goal versus inspecting your tiny little mistakes that you make along the way. Yeah. And how, how just thoughtful of you to be able to take that step back and say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to do better. I'm going to, I'm the same way right now. It's funny that you brought up health because I realized just how much water I wasn't drinking throughout the day. And I had to, when I started thinking about it, I was like, okay, well, I'm not really moving my body as much. Right. So I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, that's another problem. Like I need to be more mindful and getting up and moving my body. But then I realized, okay, my back hurts. Oh, probably because you've been sitting too much. Um, when I brought that awareness to how much water I wasn't drinking, it's now like, 
like this morning I woke up and then my first thought was, okay, you have to have some water, right? Because yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Because I was like, you brought it to the forefront of your mind as a problem. And it's like, I'm solution-based and it's really easy to get your water consumption in. Right. So that's yeah, there's small, tricks. Yes. It's a small fix, but I, it was really easy for me to just put the water bottle mm. next to where I was working instead of having it in the fridge, right? That easy reminder of, hey, yeah, water, the visuals right there. Are there any other tricks that you use to just heighten your awareness to self with mindfulness? Yeah. Um, I was just going to mention that, you know, what you said about kind of knowing yourself and knowing if you can put a water out, it, it'll be a reminder for you. Mm. I, I think that is brilliant to to first get into mindfulness, to just be able to understand yourself, how you tick, where you might, uh, where your foibles might be, um, for lack of a more simple word. (laughs) 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 Um, So for me, um, you know, I think why I started Pause and Purpose is that I love being held accountable by people who love me Mm. and who I love and respect. Um, so I'm a big proponent of hiring a coach. If you can afford it. Um, I have one coach, she's a health coach and she held, holds me accountable because exercise and healthy lifestyle does not come natural, naturally to me. It was not how I was raised. Um, I was raised on ring dings and watching full house. Yeah. I feel you girl. It's just not baked into who I am. Yeah. So I will quickly find myself going back into my old patterns when I don't have someone to, to build me up and, and to remind me that when I regress a little bit, that it doesn't have this huge, meaningful lesson behind it. It's actually just you know, sometimes when I exercise and I regress, it's because we're trying something new and challenging. Right. Yeah. So, uh, my coach, um, more Hyam is her name. She really puts things into perspective for me and makes it fun. And, you know, just like in pause and purpose, she shares her difficulties with me and I help her with that. Um, I just think it's the most magical type of relationship that we can have a relationship that, we lift people up and, you know, we all have our different strengths and weaknesses, but they're not the same as everybody else's. So we can kind of, um, create synergy together. Yes. I love that. And knowing what your own strengths are and not downplaying them, I think is also huge yeah, because absolutely. a lot of our strengths are, they're subtle to us. Like, you know, like you are a photographer and while that may come natural to you of just being a very visual person for other right. people, they don't have that same vision. Their brain quite literally does not work the same way. Mm. So sometimes just even those little minute things that we're just naturally good at, we overlook as a strength and we forget that we bring that to the table. Oh, that's so true. I know so many times you know, people will compliment you and you're like, really yeah. what? <laughs> on that? I know. I don't think it was that great. I mean, that's like my B plus work, but <laughs> right, right. <laughs> absolutely. Like yeah. I can never do what you're doing. Um, your voice just, it, you're so eloquent. And I feel like, um, this is just so natural for you. 
Oh, thank you. Well, and that's <laughs> that's the same. The same goes back to you, right? Because photography. Well, first, let me say I gave my go at it. I was like, no, this is not for me. First of all, but also <laughs> to you, I have a young daughter, mm-hmm. and to start a new business while doing so, like props to you, Mama, because that <laughs> in itself is is really huge, and you should be proud of what you're doing. But Speaking of being a mom, how are you incorporating mindfulness into your parenting style? I really enjoy this. Um, It's almost the thing that I enjoy most about parenting is being Mm -hmm. able to work through these challenges with her. Like, oh, I know how to fix this. So we do a lot of um, when she's crying or having a tantrum, we we watch Daniel Tiger. So oh, I, re- I love Daniel I Tiger. He's the best. Yeah. So I, re- I reference those little songs, um, like take a deep breath and count to four. Mm. And she really stops and she breathes and it's so adorable. That's huge. I know. So she's really learning how to think before she uh, begins acting. And also we do a lot of, um, education together around emotions. She has a, a book about all of these animals and their different emotions. And she's become so interested in it that she asks me throughout the day um, when people are making expressions and she sees them, she says, what does this person feel, mommy? Oh, wow. That is so amazing. And you know, it's I love that you brought this up about she's learning emotions because Something in my, you know, adult mind that I wasn't conscious of is how many emotions we actually have and how many times we mislabel our emotions. Mm, so true. Yeah. And so can I just can't imagine for and she, you said she's two, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So for a two-year-old to be that mindfully aware and trying to decode all these different emotions, I think is so amazing. And I am so pumped for this next generation. Like I'm telling millennial parents, we may not do it all right, but I really (laughs) think that just raising a more conscious generation is something that, that we really are getting right. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like, especially with boys, this is the first um, generation of parents, I feel where really as like a movement, they're telling boys, it's okay to, to feel and to show emotions. Mm, that's so true. And to also, I've, I'm also seeing more boys. I have nephews and I, I see them, you know, post things that are, empowering, you know, like don't give the same message to your daughter. Like you shouldn't be giving the message to your daughters of be safe, you know, uh, stay in mm. light when you're walking to the car, you should be telling your sons having the same conversation with oh, women, that. you know, like you shouldn't be making them feel any certain type of way, like scared, like yeah. so have those victimized. Same, exactly. Like have those mm-hmm. same type of conversations. And that I think just the conversations that are being had today are yeah. valuable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, My husband is always saying that, you know, I'm getting him into this world of mindfulness now. So he feels like he has access to his emotions. But this is all so new to him, because in the past, every emotion would just get distilled down to anger. And that was kind of the only emotion that he felt, um, you know, not shameful showing people was anger. So now he says he feels he has access to all of these other emotions like sadness, 
Um, and it's just, it's been a difficult um, and interesting journey for him to, to begin to, sh- to figure out his way of showing those emotions. And it's also an empowering journey too. I know I can only imagine how difficult that is, especially for, you know, a, a male who's, I'm sure he's very masculine too, which is from the, the, the vibe I'm getting from, you know, mm. how he was expressing himself too. But yeah, you know, then to bring it back, what you're saying of young boys, then that like, it's almost this unlearning of generational hurt that we're breaking too in this whole process. Absolutely. It's yeah, that's so, such a good way to put it. It's so big. Well, I know you also have so many amazing guides available currently. Who can benefit most from these guides? I would say people who are semi-new to mindfulness and maybe want to deepen their practice by learning to teach others, but aren't quite ready to commit to a degree or a certification, um, would just like to jump in and teach mindfulness, learn mindfulness themselves, um, be holding hands with the wonderful authors in, in a way, um, because they can ask them any questions that they want. Uh, they're very accessible. And who would like to build a stronger, um, more open community within their own community? Yeah, so this is great for social workers. Um, I've seen it done a lot at yoga studios for um, yogis who have a yoga background, but not necessarily uh, are big into meditation. And friend groups. um, And I'm really excited to announce that we are creating a school mindfulness program. Yes. I was literally <laughs> just thinking in my head, like this should be in schools. This should be yes. in schools. <laughs> Tell us more about that. So I was speaking with um, my friend, my friend, Amy, who is the special ed director um, for a district. And she was telling me just about the mental health impact of the pandemic and how it's been so isolating, um, which I expected, but I didn't expect that there would be an increase in her kids going to the ER for mental health issues and for, um, you know, eating disorders and not showing up to class because what's the point? Yeah. Because it, they were unable to find really purpose because those milestones are so important, especially to teenagers like graduation and prom and um, for that stuff to be taken away, it hits them so hard. Mm-hmm. So I started doing some research and I spoke with a friend who is a data scientist for um, a department of education. And she kind of gave me the hard facts of, you know, we're not really sure the complete impact of the pandemic on our kids yet, but we've seen that health crises can um, give short-term and long-term effects on students. And, you know, here's what, here's what we've seen. We've seen grades going down. We've seen attendance going down. Um, Kids are rating that their anxiety is higher. So the three of us are working on something that can be for a bunch of different grades. So different guides for different grades. So the writers can be chosen for their expertise. Um, So, you know, a second grade uh, mindfulness guide might 
have animals and pictures, whereas a, a high school mindfulness guide might be a little bit more technical. Um, Mindfulness-based stress reduction might be incorporated. And at the moment, we are working on pitching to schools, and then we're going to do a fundraiser through iFundWomen so that it will be completely free. This is so amazing. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so if someone is listening today and they're like, yes, 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 I want this, not only we'll say in their schools, maybe they are an educator and they want to contact you to see how they can work with you as well. But if they just want to get your guides and they want to start facilitating this, where can they go to connect with you further and to learn more about Pause and Purpose? Uh, the website's a great place to go. And at the top, you can subscribe to our newsletter and you automatically get sent um, a preview of our facilitator's guide and week one of one of our guides building resilience. So that's a really great way to dive in and see what we're all about. Um, and they can email me anytime at hello at pauseandpurpose.com. Oh, beautiful. Emily, you are doing such important work. Thank you so much Thanks, for joining Lauren. me today and sharing your light. Oh, I appreciate it so much. Thank you for, um, you know, going around and finding these people who are so inspiring to speak to. Oh, thank you. I love Emily's vibe and her overall purpose-led mission. You can find direct links to Emily's website and social channels on this week's episode notes found on mindbizlife.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you tune in and turn it up. I'm back on Friday for another episode of Fuel Your Life Friday, but until then, remember, every level of life is an opportunity to grow. Be well, my friend.